This episode of Practical Significance is brought to you by LEAPS. Are you one of the many who are perfectly content to reap the benefits of what your professional society does without bothering to join? Good. We have a place for you in LEAPS, the Let Everyone Else Pay Society. Maybe you're a psychologist, perhaps a physicist, or if life has been especially good for you, you are a statistician. You could join the APA, the APS, or the ASA, the American Statistical Association, one of many organizations that support their professions through advancing research, setting standards, providing professional development, promoting education, and much more. Sure, you could join, you could, but you can also enjoy all those benefits for free. That's right. Those associations go right on doing their thing without your money. In fact, The ASA has been promoting the practice and profession of statistics for 184 years. Founded in 1839, the ASA has been around longer than 24 U.S. states. It has been around longer than the country of Canada, which will host the joint statistical meetings this summer. The ASA has been doing its work without your cash, so why bother to join, right? That's why we founded LEAPS. Let Everyone Else Pay is our name and our motto. And of course, it costs nothing to join. And while with no income, we can hardly be expected to provide any services like other societies do, we at least provide a home for us kindred spirits who just can't be bothered paying dues. So hey, don't pay, do it the leaps way. And now let's join the Practical Significance Podcast, brought to you free by the American Statistical Association. Hello, and welcome to Practical Significance a podcast to inspire listeners with compelling stories from statistics and data science and to propel data-driven careers forward. Here are your hosts, the ASA's Director of Strategic Initiatives, Donna Lalone, and Executive Director, Ron Wasserstein. Well, welcome everyone to Practical Significance. I actually, I probably say this a lot, but today it is really, really true. We are so delighted to be joined by our fellow podcasters, John and Rosemary, the co-hosts of Stats and Stories. And so we are going to start by asking you to tell us about your day job. So, John, I'll start with you, since I know your day job has changed recently. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little, yeah. Well, prior to June 30th, 2022, I was a podcaster and I was the chair of a stat department and a professor of statistics and also affiliated with media journalism, film, biology, sociology, and gerontology, kind of the harder to hit a moving target perspective. Uh, After July 1, 2022, uh, I was a podcaster and mostly unemployed. Uh, (laughs) No, I retired then and I'm still doing a lot of committee work and consulting and other stuff that's fun and and particularly continuing with the podcast. That's my day job. Rosemary, I'll turn it over to you. So I am a journalism professor and the the area coordinator of our journalism program. So in addition to teaching, I do a lot of the class scheduling and advising and also do a fair amount of research. Most of it tends to be qualitative in nature, although sometimes I do dabble in statistics. That's great. Well, again, we are just so delighted to have the chance to talk with you today. As a matter of fact, I am holding in my hands this book 
called Statistics Behind the Headlines, which I know that the two of you are co-authors of. So in addition to collaborating as co-hosts of Stacks and Stories, you also collaborated as co-authors of the book. And so I'm really interested in how the experience of working together on a writing project was similar and different from a podcast collaboration. We'd like to hear from both of you on that. It was interesting because John approached me because he was already working on the project and asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, what? No. (laughs) Immediately, I'm like, I do not feel comfortable writing about statistics. But obviously I said yes. And because I think of the partnership on the podcast, what people don't see behind when they're listening to the podcast is that John and I constantly gesturing to each other and sharing information and passing things. And we have, I think, a really good relationship as podcasters and trust one another. And so it was easy to sign on to a project which felt a little bit out of my depth because I trusted John and trusted that he was going to help me through things if I if I got stuff wrong or was having difficulty. And it, it was great. Like I am kind of a machine when it comes to writing and producing research. And so is John. So like I would send him revisions on a chapter and he would send them back to me within the hour. So that was a little exhausting. <laughs> but we got the book done, I think, more quickly than either of us expected. And it was just really, it was nice. I think the comfort and the trust that we have on the podcast just sort of bled into the book project. Yeah, I I would just echo that. I mean, I think that years of collaboration allows for easy partnering. I think there were similarities in terms of the book and the the podcast. Really, it was selecting an interesting story was the kind of the key for most of the chapters. And, you know, that's what we do with podcast episodes. But, you know, when we were considering chapters in the book, we wanted to make sure it had that. I guess what's a little bit different relative to kind of thinking about what we were doing with the book versus the podcast is the book was more expository. Because we were diving a little deeper in terms of journalism and statistical concepts. And, and you know, in some sense, we were, were having to do that instead of in the context of the podcast, trying to draw this out as part of the conversation with guests that would appear. It was great fun. I knew that I really valued Rosemary's voice in our podcast. And I knew that her voice with mine in this book would have the potential for being a, a success. And I'm really happy with what the result was. It is a terrific book, and I have it on my desk of my home office and have really enjoyed it. And Rosemary, I was just going to say that I can relate because John has gestured at me a few times over the years. So maybe that's not exactly what you meant. Yeah, I was sure you were going to say you had the book to the side of your bed, the table there, just in case you had insomnia. I knew where you were going to go with this, Ron. Yeah, thanks for anticipating. So, John, as you both mentioned here, you've been doing this together for a while. So what have you learned about journalism through your work with Rosemary on Stats and Stories? Wow, that's a fun question. Part of it is knowing an audience and having a clear focus of a message. Uh, you know, Certainly within journalism, the sense of being able to target what you have to say very, very quickly is important. I've really developed a, a stronger sense of the fact that analyses and numbers serve as plot elements and the importance of narrative in terms of influencing, if you're going to have any influence, the way people think and react to something. I've learned a lot about how critical it is to listen carefully if you're interacting with guests. And lastly, I, I've learned a lot more about speaking to engage a listener audience. I mean, Rosemary is brilliant at this. I felt like I've had this on-the-job training to think about how I pace the way I speak in, in terms of doing the podcast biz. So I've, I've just learned a tremendous amount, and I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Thanks, John. So, Rosemary, I'm going to ask you in the other direction. What have you learned about statistics by working with John on Stats and Stories? 
Oh, Lordy. I mean, I could write a book about that probably itself. I mean, I took two classes in stats as a student, once in undergrad and once in grad school. And when Richard Campbell invited me onto the podcast, I was slightly intimidated. Um, not that I don't understand it, but just to be able to talk about it intelligently, right? Like and be able to have a conversation and ask people questions felt a little bit daunting. But I think the nice thing is that they are conversations, which is helpful. I mean, the big thing that I learned was about Bayes. Like that's probably <laughs> like, you know, I did not realize that there was a whole other school of statistics to like approach it and think about it because it was a very uh, frequentist education I had. So that was probably the big eye-opening thing. I mean, we even had the Better Bayes contest on the podcast a couple of years ago. So that was probably the big one. And then I, too, I think for me, I think it's getting the insight into how statisticians think about their work has been really, really helpful. Um, it's been helpful for me as someone who, again, does dabble occasionally in stats and sort of made me think about how I'm using stats or thinking about stats in different kinds of ways, but also being able to hear how people like C.R. Rao and his um, students were thinking about stats and what how they were approaching stats. I mean, that's been invaluable and as a learner, I often learn better from like context than I necessarily do from like memorizing something. So the thing that made me stick with stats when I was in grad school is it's pretty old fashioned, but my professor had us sort of run a lot of stats by hand, explaining what we were doing and understanding why it was important that these things were done that way. And I think for me, you know, in undergrad, the stats class was not my favorite. In grad school, I actually really loved it. And I think it was that larger context she was providing. And I think for me, that's what I get so much out of this podcast is that broader picture of what stats is and how statisticians think about their work. Well, the teamwork that you demonstrate on the podcast is really obvious, and it's certainly something that I have wanted to learn from and model. And so while we continue to think about that podcast, and maybe we'll start with you, John, but and then swing over to Rosemary, but share with us some of your very favorite Stats and Stories episodes and maybe why they stand out for you. Wow. That's, do we have to say the one that you were on? <laughs> I think we can rule that one out. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't want to embarrass you. <laughs> Actually, it was brilliant to talk to you, obviously. But beyond the, the conversations that we had, I, I think I've enjoyed all of our episodes. I mean, that, that, that seems like a bit of a cop out. You invest a lot in all of these. And these conversations have been broad. We've talked to people that are cognitive psychologists about misinformation and inoculating for that. That's been recent, but that's been really interesting and important to me. We've done a couple of episodes over the years on the statistics of the year. There was a competition that the Royal Stat Society has had. We featured some of those. The conversations we've had with the International Prize in Statistics winners have been fascinating to me. I mean, we've had a chance to speak with a couple of them, with Brad Efren and Nan Laird. We've had chances to speak to some of the nominators for DR Cox and then for CR Rao. And that's been a lot of fun. And, and lastly, gosh, I, first I said I was going to cop out and not name any, and now I can't <laughs> shut up. And there's only 300 or so. That, so just bear with me for a minute, will you? <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess the last one would be some of the contests that we've had. I mean, we did one on, we call it the Better Bays contest, where people would submit uh, a headline and a lead sentence, and we ended up selecting a haiku as the winner, which was a which was really funny. We did a meme contest. The it was the meme median mode contest that we did, and now we're sponsoring one that's a data visualization for people to analyze our episodes. We've put out a data set of the episodes for people to analyze and do a visualization. Those contests have been a lot of fun to see how people interact 
with with these ideas. So, I, man, I, I'll shut up now. <laughs> yeah, Rosemary's kicking me under the table. We had David Spiegelhalter on really early in the, when I started the podcast. And I think it was when I was still a little nervous about this. But he came on and was just like so delightful and just such an enjoyable conversation and didn't feel like any questions that were asked were stupid and just sort of talked so much about sort of the importance of communicating clearly that it felt like that was one where I felt really comfortable and kind of where I was settling um, into this position. So that's one that stands out for me. And I think we had him on three times, I think. He did the start of the year once. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's been a great guest. Um, I always like it when we can get journalists on the show. So Mona Chalabi came on and talked about sort of how she approaches data visualization and talked about, I'll never forget her talking about how she hand draws her her data viz out sometimes we just had austin fast on from npr who is a miami alum talking about sort of the work he does for npr and then the, the last one i will talk about is um one that again i think was probably earlier in my tenure here but it's sort of a, another one that sticks out for me it was talking to tai tashiro about sort of um, emotions and relationships and sort of how you can read how people are feeling and, and sort of to be able to build stronger relationships and i think those stand out for different reasons. I think Ty and Spiegel halters because they were early and they were people who just made me feel very comfortable. And then the ones with journalists, just because I am a journalist and I love thinking about how we can communicate data more clearly for our audiences. Well, thanks so much. And so I'm going to actually take this question and extend it a little bit because one of my favorite parts of Sunday is reading the New York Times book review. And I love the beyond the book feature. And one of the questions in the beyond the book feature is to the authors is often, if you could host a literary dinner party, who would you invite, right? So I'm going to tweak that a little bit and ask you if you could interview anyone and will be living or dead. You can reach back in, in history if you would like. Who would it be? And Rosemary, I'll come back to you first, then we'll hear from John. Oh, yeah, I have an answer. Uh, Brian Cox, who is a professor at the university in Manchester or Manchester University, I can remember. He is a astrophysicist who I think works at the Collider in CERN. And he also hosts for the BBC these like wonders of the universe and wonders of the solar system programs. He was in a 1980s pop band called D-Ream. And he also is a co-host of the Infinite Monkey Cage on uh, BBC. And that podcast is sort of designed to sort of make scientific information like legible to a broad audience. So he co-hosts that with Robert um, who is, a, I believe, a comedian, and they have like science, two scientists and a comedian on the show as panelists. And again, they break down like, what is, you know, what is string theory or, you know, what is emotional psychology? And it's such a, in, in front of a live audience, and it's a really fun, engaging thing. But I think he's such an interesting story of having been a pop star and then becoming this guy who is not just a a scientist, but he like he's fronting the BBC's like big marquee shows and he's still alive. And I'm saying this because I hope if he hears the show, <laughs> maybe he will agree to come on stats and stories. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. I've had that one for a long time. Okay. I just I would like to bring him on. We got to reach out. Yeah. Charles, get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Only You got to have more than one. I don't know who else I would pull on. No, but I'm going to leave it there. You're going to leave it there. Yeah. I think well, now I'm, feel, I'm going to feel guilty if I have more than one. No, please have. You should have more than one. I'm you sure see, you do. Can you imagine we even get a podcast out? <laughs> I mean, so do I get to jump in now? Absolutely. 
Well, I'm not going to stick to one. I mean, no, seems... please, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I start with Florence Nightingale. You know, we've done multiple episodes about Florence Nightingale and sort of the history and, the, you know, and thinking about someone who impacted a profession or the health and practice of a profession. And in fact, the Data Visualization Society named their journal Nightingale. So I, that came to mind for me very quickly. I found myself also thinking about some others because I, I guess I was thinking about the dinner table. So that kind of resonated with me. The, the others that I thought of was one was Ambrose Bierce who worked for Hearst Papers, mm -hmm. but also wrote something called The Devil's Dictionary, which you can now see on Gutenberg, which was such a snarky definitions of things that you see. And, and then the last two, one would be Isaac Asimov. I mean, because this was a scientist that was a prolific writer, even about things he didn't know anything about. But, but, yeah, <laughs> no, but, no, but I think it was just, no, that's not fair. But everything from writing about these great science fiction masterpieces to a book of limericks. I mean, this, this was just a, a phenomenal one. And lastly, the, one of the founders of Little Feet, Lowell George. I would love to have Lowell George to, to sit down at dinner and maybe to play a little bit afterwards, just a, you know, maybe a little acoustic guitar to, to finish it out. So as you were talking, Carl Sagan would be my oh, dead yeah. person I would invite on the show. I, at one point in my life, had wanted to be an astrophysicist. Oh. And then it, I realized it's a lot more math than I was comfortable doing. And so I decided to be a journalist because then I could talk to them. But he would be... He Did would you be like Cosmos? I love Cosmos. It? Yeah, I, I was PBS household as a kid. Totally like, remember watching Cosmos all the time. Yeah, uh, that was on my list, too. I mean, Sagan was on there, but Asimov nudged him off the, put him in the, the kid's table. <laughs> but uh, but I, I loved Cosmos, too, as a kid. Too. So I'm with you. So, Rosemary, at one point in time, I wanted to be a journalist, but I quickly realized that I was much more likely to be an astrophysicist. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't, didn't manage that either. You won't get to interview some of those people, obviously, and some you still might. But can you give us a sneak preview of what you might have lined up, either guests or ideas that are in the shoot for Stats and Stories going forward? I'm really excited about uh, an interview we have coming up about the economic impacts of Brexit, particularly as it relates to like the uh, flow of immigrants back and forth and sort of what that's done to the workforce and the lives of laborers in the UK as well as outside of the UK. I'm really excited about that. And then we are, I think, going to have one of our Miami colleagues on as a return guest, um, Adam Beisel. He has just co-edited a book about Women's World Cup. And so he's going to come on and talk about that because John and I and Charles Blades, our producer, are all big soccer fans. And so whenever we can bring soccer into the show, we're excited about that. So those are the two that I'm, I think I'm most excited about coming up. And we just had Doug Tallamy on talking about the, what is it, homegrown national park movement in relation to sort of, you know, conservation. And that was a really fun interview. Those are all great. And we have another colleague who's been part of sort of the narrative storytelling. John Chernoff came and joined us and had worked in, in Hollywood for a while. On talked, Futurama. Uh, yeah. He's talking a little bit about how you would study an audience engagement with a show, which is going to be a fun conversation. I would also mention appreciating C.R. Rao and this International Prize in Statistics is one I'll be really excited to share with the community. We also had a conversation about evaluating unconditional financial support, these grants and almost grants and aids and universal basic income. And there has been some formal studies and investigations of this that have been done at kind of randomization at a community level. That was a really interesting conversation. And I look forward to sharing that as well. Well, I know John knows and Rosemary, I suspect you may guess as well. Ron and I are avid listeners of Stats and Stories. So those all sound great and look forward to that. 
So I have a tradition for practical significance, and that is to ask our guests about what they are reading, listening to, and or watching, because my TBR list is long, but it can always use more entries. I love podcasts. And so having some new additions to my podcast list would be wonderful. So John, I'll start with you because I know you actually keep track of what you've read because I yeah. read at the end of the yeah. year your your <laughs> list. So maybe give me a preview, a sneak okay. peek. <laughs> well, in terms of some of the reading, the podcast has really given us a chance to also meet some neat authors. And Doug Tallamy's book, Nature's Best Hope, is one that, that I read this spring. And it's one I would strongly recommend. He's a biologist who works at uh, the University of Delaware and was talking about this this idea and, and Rosemary mentioned that the idea of of this homegrown national park idea. Uh, Sandra Vanderlinden's new book Foolproof is is pretty fascinating as well. Thinking about inoculations that are for misinformation and what you might do. I just finished reading Anne Lamont's book Bird by Bird: Some Instructions on Writing and Life, and her writing. It's criminal that it's that good. I mean, I, I just I love the way that she phrases and frames things. And I found her to be really just marvelous. And I would recommend it. I, I love science fiction and mysteries as, as well. And the David Rosenfeld mysteries are all fun. Whether the, the Citizen K-9, I know as a dog lover, Donna, this was one that, that would resonate with you. So those are ones I would say you got to check those out. And Faith Martin mysteries that are all set in, uh, in Oxford, England, are some that, that I would recommend. It's interesting. I have been having a hard time reading post-COVID. I think I going into the pandemic, I read a ton, like the first six or eight months is what I was doing, because what else could you do? And uh, I think since emerging from the pandemic, like reading has been really hard to to settle into. So mine are not going to be as academic as John's in some ways, but I've been rereading a lot of Agatha Christie um, lately. I read them when I was in high school and then didn't return to them. And they're just, they're such a nice little neat package. And you know, like, there's going to be a resolution and stuff that gives me a resolution has been really great. I just read, oh my God, what the affair at, at Styles. And then I just picked up one, which is, a, you would like this, John. It's the murder mystery about golf that's related yeah. to golf. So I've been reading that and I've been rereading the Sandman comics by Neil oh, Gaiman. Yeah. Um, they came out with the big monster bound versions recently. So I've been re reading that. And then I listening music wise, not so much podcasts, but lots of music. So Brandy Carlisle, I'm a big fan of anything that feels sort of alt rocky slash alt country. I'm from Appalachia. And if it's a little bit of twang, I like it. And then we just finished watching The Mandalorian at home and have yet to start Ted Lasso. That's going to be my end of the semester treat is I want it to be done so I can just watch it in one big go. I love Ted Lasso too. I'd also listen to music too. Have you listened to any Lucas Nelson? No. So Willie Nelson's son, Lucas Nelson and the Promise of the Real is a lot of fun if you want to be introduced to a different type. I absolutely love Lucas Nelson, John. So there you go. It resonates. I, I, I knew we resonated. <laughs> you know? And I would also recommend Shrinking and The Diplomat are two others that in terms of your watching habits, those are both been a lot of fun. I've seen The Diplomat reviewed and, and reviewed really well. So maybe that's an upcoming treat for me, right? For <laughs> streaming on Netflix, right? Well, this has been great. And we've so enjoyed talking with you. We have another tradition on practical significance, and that is Ron's top 10. So I'll turn it over to Ron to uh, introduce the top 10 for this episode. 
So thank you, Donna. Once again, the Practical Significance podcast wants to help our listeners advance their careers, especially since many of you depend on grant funding. So we thought we would share with you some things that don't work so you can be sure to avoid them. So here are the top 10 list of titles of failed grant proposals. And as a special treat, we're going to have those read for you today by our guests, John and Rosemary. Number 10, I swear, the world's first large foul language model. Number nine, the theory of casual inference when a guess is good enough. Number eight, how to get the data to prove whatever you need it to prove. Number seven, the problems with Facebook, a meta analysis. <laughs> so corny. <laughs> Number six, ChatGBT and me exploring romantic relationships via AI. Number five, survey waiting when non-response is 100%. Number four, this grant proposal has been rejected by better funders than you. Number three, the dangers of sharing a bong, a non-fungible token. I don't know why I think that one's so funny. <laughs> Number two, the complete and unabridged table of the even primes. And number one. Slot machine learning, supervised or unsupervised, kiss your assets. Goodbye. <laughs> was that appropriate? That I, was there I think, enough drama there? I think so. Were you on the edge A of the chair? Is there enough oomph? You know, I tried to reach in and, you know, kind of really project. Well, you did very well. Thank you both very much. And thank you so much for inviting us to join you. It's been a delight and an honor to, to have a chance to chat with two of my favorite people in the world. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you, Practical Significance Podcast listeners, for joining us again. We look forward to continuing the conversation next month. Thank you for listening to this edition of Practical Significance, the podcast of the American Statistical Association. A new episode will be coming your way next month from Anstat News, the ASA's monthly membership magazine.